everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the Lillian Link podcast. Today is going to be a little bit different than what we usually do. So normally we're talking about LinkedIn and the different ways that we can make it work for you. But today I've invited a very special guest on. She has been so gracious to come on and talk to us about a really different way to tell your professional story. It's something I know I get questions on a lot because there is a lot of overlap between LinkedIn and this particular topic. But today we're going to be talking about resumes with Judy Park. Judy, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and um, where your expertise when it comes to resumes comes from? Sure. Thanks for having me, Lillian. This is really exciting. I'm glad to be here to talk about resumes. Uh, so Judy Park, I am a resume coach. Um, I'm kind of the founder of Resume Refinery, which is my small business. And I call it Resume Refinery because I love helping people find uh, the gems, like digging out the gems of their career to display on their resume. Um, it's a refining process. You bring it back and you chisel it again. You chisel here and there. And so that's kind of what I really love doing. And I love it when the light bulb goes off on a client and they're like, oh, I got it. I'm like, great, run, run with it. <laughs> Go do great things with your resume. Um, but some of the areas that I really focus on and I find it as a sweet spot is with early career. Honestly, I would love to be able to do this more with high school students, but college students is really a great spot that I love meeting with and helping. And then another section is the military, transitioning military mm-hmm or just military community overall, military spouses. You know, I think um, there's a lot of opportunity and growth in those two compartments, especially when you've lived a certain life in the military, you come out into the civilian world, you're like, wow, what is this? There's so much to take in. And then even from college, you're used to doing life a certain way, and then you come out and you're like, oh, this is the real world. So some of those major transitions is where I love to, you know, speak into their lives and help them find the real gems. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because there are so many through lines between how I would tell a story versus somebody who's maybe much further along in their career would tell the story versus um, how somebody kind of in the, at that very beginning stage or in one of those big transitions you referenced um, would tell a story. There's obviously those through lines and then there's also sort of unique challenges with each of those mm-hmm. phases as well. Um, but... Because we're talking about resumes today, something that we talked about before getting on this call that hadn't occurred to me to even think about, but I do not have a great answer for this. What is a resume? Like oh, if you were going to yeah. explain it to somebody who had never heard of a resume before, what oh, does gosh. it do? What is it? You know, I, there's those moments where you get a question. You're like, I wonder what the younger version of myself would say. <laughs> This is one of them. I want to put it down because, uh, you know, I think Lillian, no one really told me what a resume was other than mm-hmm. it's a slip of paper that you submit when you are applying for a job and it's supposed to display your work, your experience and what you're looking for. And so mm-hmm. the younger version of me would have been like, yeah, that's what it is. Here's what I think is a resume. It is a, a it is a document, right? It's a one sided document, but it has it's multifaceted to tell your career experience not only your experience, but your skills. And here's what I think a lot of people miss. It's you being able to tell the story of why you are probably the best candidate for the position you're applying for. Most people don't get that. And I keep telling this is a great opportunity, a first impression you put in front of a recruiter or in front of a hiring manager, tell the best story. 
don't wait until you get to an interview, if you get to an interview. But that is what I really believe a resume is. It's a full package, but it's also future speaking to that future role you want to have. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting because you and I, when we first started connecting and chatting about sort of this stuff, that's one of the things that I found was really similar in our approaches where we're both really into what's that story that you're telling? What's the, Mm -hmm. what's the takeaway you want to have? And it's so interesting to think about how people often will think of like your LinkedIn and your resume is essentially the same thing. Like you're telling your professional story, you're doing all of these things, but we've talked about the fact that like it's a really different way that you end up telling that story. So the place mm-hmm. we start when we're working with a new client is like, let me figure out who you are. Let me figure out what your career goals are. Like we both start in that similar place. And then we go to such different places because you're looking to like tell that story really concisely and pull out those gems and really highlight those where I want to dig into literally everything you've ever done and make sure somebody <laughs> can find it on your LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious about how you find Um, What kind of is unique about the way you're telling that story in a resume versus in some of the other ways that we so often tell our professional stories? Yeah. So like I said, the resume is really what I believe it's um, I'll I'll rephrase it another way for for our listeners and our watchers here. Your resume is not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And it really bothers me. Like it pangs my heart when I see a resume that is submitted to a job and they have no relevant information to what the job description is asking for. They literally said, this is me, take it or leave an employer, consider me. And I'm like, what am I considering? Right. Um, And so I really think resume is not a one size fits all. There's going to be different versions depending on if you have different positions you're applying for. I like to think of it as like, this might be a weird analogy, but like a dating app. Let's say Mm -hmm. Lily, you're on a dating app and you fill out all these profile requirements. This is what I'm looking for dating app. And let's say your first five matches are actually opposite of what you asked for. You'd be mm-hmm. like, what Why? What did you do, App? Why are you sending me these candidates or mm-hmm. these people, right? They're not what I asked for. That's exactly what happens in the mind of a recruiter. Because I used to be like in that position where I'd be like, you really don't understand what we're looking for. And you mm-hmm. just made a, gave me a one-size-fits-all resume. Um, and so it's kind of like you're speaking over each other. So I, I do think like from a storytelling perspective, you have to present the best like position yourself as the best candidate and why you are competitive against the others, 5, 10, 20, 50, 100 people that you're competing against in this position, why you should be selected to move over to the next round. Um, I think that's key. That's really, really Mm -hmm. key. And that kind of ties into tailoring, making sure um, you're using the similar phrases and you're just answering what the employer is asking for. That is your resume. I'm here to say, I see what you want employer on your job description I, I answered that with my resume and you're, you got to line that up. And if you don't, you're not telling a good story and you're speaking over each other basically. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things within that, that I find so interesting. First of all, I love your dating app uh, reference. (laughs) I often talk about LinkedIn when I'm talking about like growing your network and stuff. I'm like in the least romantic way, it's like flirting. Like you're (laughs) using the likes and all of these other things to sort like, If you come out of nowhere, I find this particularly with salespeople, although I'm sure recruiters get the same thing, where it's like if you send somebody an email just like really aggressively talking about who you are and you have no other connection with that person and you're not, that's terrifying. (laughs) But if you do more of like a here's the thing we have in common, let's just like a simple ad or like I like some of the stuff you're Mm -hmm. sharing, like 
if you think of it in that more, I think it's because it's that delicate social situation. That's what I see as the similar thing where um, you've got to build that relationship. And I think in professional world, it's hard to, it's hard to get your mind there naturally. You have to, you have to be really intentional about that. So I found that so funny that we have such similar metaphors for that. (laughs) Um, But you did also reference in there the, some of the different, ways that people need to tailor those. And I'm going to just give an example of something that I do. And I'm curious if you find this works similarly with resumes. So a lot of times when I have clients who are looking for a particular job, and that's the reason what they're trying to do with their LinkedIn is job search. um, Those people, I will often say, let's go find five examples of your like ideal job descriptions And let's match because unlike with resumes where you can create a bunch of different versions of it, you've only got the one version of LinkedIn. So I'm like, let's tailor your LinkedIn to these five ideal job descriptions. I'm curious if, especially in the day and age we're in now where you got to apply for so many positions because Mm -hmm. there's so many applicants for every job and all that stuff. How much tailoring do people do? Or do you say like, make, here are the three different kinds of jobs you're looking at, create three different resumes, or I'm, I'm curious about your experience there. Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, I haven't been asked that, but I was thinking of, this is how I probably respond to it. In, in a perfect world where you don't have 50 you know, applications to push mm-hmm. out, maybe you just really drill down to what you are looking for in your future role. Yes create a version, uh, a different version for it. Now, if the positions have a similar skill set, they're looking for similar experiences, or I I like to use the word competencies, a group Mm -hmm. of skills, or um, maybe they want certain technical software that you're looking for. If they're somewhat very overlapping in what they have, then maybe you can do just one or two. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like to say, hey, don't just, don't get, uh, I hate the word lazy, but some it really that's some of the stuff yeah, that drives no, people sure. to be the way they are. Invest in yourself and tailor it as best as you can to increase your chances versus wishing maybe I didn't put all the right things on my resume. Maybe I didn't line up and create that dotted line between my experience mm-hmm. and what they're looking for. And maybe they went with somebody else, right? You can't, yeah. there's no second shots with that. So I always say, do your best to to present the best one for every position. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it probably ends up coming down to prioritization of like, um, how is this your dream job? Because if this is your dream job, make a special resume for it. Exactly. Um, if this is this a job that you'd be willing to do because you need money, <laughs> then maybe just pull your stock resume. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the the other thing you've mentioned a couple of these already, but it sounds like people have sort of similar challenges that you see come up over and over again as you're talking to different um, clients that you have or coaching clients that you have. What are some of those big common challenges that you see either for particular groups or sort of across the board when anybody's trying to tell that story? Yeah, I think this is, it wraps it up to, they don't know how, they don't know what a resume is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was me back when I was in my twenties, embarrassing enough, like no one really showed me what and how to update my resume. Um, And so, you know, I still see people who don't really understand what a resume is. They'll still use objective. And I'm like, that's from like 
1990s, 80s, when you'd say my objective is to find a position to do to leverage my skills. And I'm like, you should really get rid of that. That shows me how outdated or how mm. not up to speed you are with your understanding of what a resume is. Because if you're showing a resume to somebody, it's some somewhere down the line, it's going to be, I want to work with you, work for you, or I want to network with you. It's it's not just, I'm looking for a job, right? It's, yeah. You don't have to spell it out. Um, so that's pretty much a big challenge is sometimes students don't know how to utilize a resume. Um, they're told different information. There's so many opinions, so many different opinions and thoughts on how to lay it out. And I think that can be very confusing. And that's why there needs to be someone who understands both the talent acquisition recruiter side of it, mm-hmm. but also understand here's what the world is telling you and balance it out, figure it out. So you mentioned specifically the idea of like an objective at the top of a resume being sort of outdated. Um, I'm curious... I know there's been a lot of changes in the way that people create resumes. I'm curious as to what you've seen that you now would consider outdated that maybe used to be a best practice or used to be advice that people got or give. Yeah, so objective is definitely one of them. Uh, If I see someone's full address or uh, maybe too much information, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We live in a very digital world. And so for me, I'm like, there's never going to be a chance that I need to snail mail you at any point. I'm very paper frugal. Let me just say that. Let's start off with I'm super frugal with my paper space. And I tell people, don't waste your space telling me in font 25 that your name is Judy Park, when you could use about three, four of those lines to tell me why else you'd be a great fit for this position. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I usually try to encourage people, if you know you have to enter it manually onto the application, Mm -hmm. try not to take up space, right? Especially your full address. Um, You just need city and state mo. You know, I feel like that's still an older practice. Um, objective is another one I listed. And then I think, you know, lately I still see this. And maybe this is just me trying to be forward thinking. I see a lot of students put their education at the very top of the resume. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you or anyone else who's watching or listening. But for me, when I see that, the first thing that screams out to me is you're a student. You don't have a lot of experience. Okay. And it creates this bias. And as I go from top to bottom, I'm already kind of like, okay, it's probably going to probably worked at a a retail or some kind of chain, probably did this, worked at the local businesses or parks and rec or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've been challenging students to say, don't do that. I know your career service center has told you to do this. This is the template. I've seen it multiple times, but I tell them, you don't need to give that bias or impression as your first impression, mm-hmm. move it to the bottom. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, you're already going to put it on the application. That shouldn't be the first thing I see. I, tell me about you, your skills and your experiences and be strategic in how you lay this out. It doesn't always have to be the objective or your education on top. You can make it to whatever it is, but at least I usually say, start off with a profile summary of yeah. who you are. And if you don't have a lot of experience to do a profile summary, then talk about some of the skills that you're bringing to the table, like a summary, qualification, right? A summary of qualifications, and then go into your work experience. And then tell me about your education, especially if you're new to the market, to the field. So those are some of the things I feel like are kind of outdated and should yeah. be challenged. And I'm curious to see how that goes for, do they get a call back from the recruiter or not? And so that's kind of what I've been telling people lately. Yeah, and then kind of on the other end of that spectrum, Um, obviously I work in marketing, so marketing resumes are often pretty heavily designed nowadays. (laughs) People are using Canva templates. They're adding some of those things in. 
Um, oftentimes those same Canva templates that I mentioned, which if you've never looked at a Canva template, I'm a big fan. Um, but I also know they can get really complex. Um, they have pictures on them. Um, so they, people will actually add their headshots. And I personally have gotten mixed advice about whether or not to have your headshot on your resume. And I'm really curious when it comes to that, like highly designed versus very basic text, um, and then that picture <laughs> element, what your thoughts are. Yeah, so I got to be mindful. I'm talking to a marketing specialist here. <laughs> like, Because <laughs> I think we're on two separate teams here. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I will confess there was in my early start of the business, I used to say, hey, go buy this. This looks really nice. Um, aesthetically, it looked great. But then I realized it's not good use of the space. And I'm super Mm -hmm. frugal with my paper space. You get one shot, maybe 10 seconds with the recruiter to make a lasting impression. And some of those layouts are locked in. You can't really do much. You can only fill into what you have. And so, you know, I'll say I'm team ugly resume template. I use like, what is it? Times New Roman. Is that what they call the font? (laughs) The classic. Um, Yeah, the super classic. I... I make it look like one of the original resumes that was at the burst out of the room. And I'm just like, this is what it is. I just want to get straight to the point, use bullet points to help guide the eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I actually don't go for that unless, you know, maybe in your specific field that you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually not team Canva. <laughs> I moved away from it. Now you talk about the headshot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, um, I, the reason why is I saw one recently. Someone submitted mm-hmm. it to me. And um, here's why I want to be mindful is different cultures of applying for jobs are different around the world. I know in Asia, and this person was from Southeast Asia, they use headshots. They use like waist and up body shots. And I oh, was wow. like, wow, I know like, you know, in Korea, I, I'm from South Korea and I know they use face uh, headshots. They highly judge you upon your ex- external looks. I... I don't like that because I've seen some people who are um, a little bit heavier labeled mm-hmm. lazy. They don't look like a hard worker. And I was like, that's absolutely false to what they say. And so there's a lot of biases, right? So my my response is usually, unless you're going to become a model, an actor or actress, or a flight attendant, I really don't care what you look like at this point. And so I tell people, take the photo off. I know it's a nice uh, visual break, But again, it creates biases in me. Um, You know, I can make a bias just off of your name, you know, depending on how complicated it is or or how simple it is. Right. And so I don't I don't want that. So don't set me up for that is what I usually tell clients and keep it off unless you're going to Hollywood or you're going to model for something or something like that. So probably most of the listeners are models because that's the group of people (laughs) that I attract to Lillian Link classically. All models. (laughs) Hey guys. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. Do away with it people. (laughs) No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's really interesting. I'm, I'm glad to know that I've been giving the right advice because I do have friends who will ask me about it. And I'm like, I have a highly designed like Canva resume that has multiple colors and like different, like all this other stuff that I put out because I'm in marketing. And so I'm competing with graphic designers sometimes. So that's the reason my resume looks like that. Um, Where I think unless you're in that kind of position, it's not unnecessary. And you can do that with bolding a font or things like that if you Mm -hmm. need it to have that visual break. Um, So glad to know we actually are on the same page there. And you know, Lily, that's why I love LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So like we have 
like I work with marketing people, but they're not in the graphic design type of marketing. They're in the Mm -hmm. analytical side, the competitive marketing Mm -hmm. side. And so they don't use the colors. They use more of like stats, yeah, you know, quantitative data. And then they use their LinkedIn to display any of the photos of certain events that they had to do or the Mm -hmm. outcome. So that's why I love LinkedIn. It's such a, it's such a creative space that you can't put on your resume. Well, and I think it's such a different balance of those things because, um, LinkedIn, like I talk a lot of, I'm like, you have to have all of your jobs you've ever had ever on your LinkedIn. Like all of those should be on there for X, Y, Z reason that Mm. I've gotten into and other, you guys can watch other podcast episodes of that where I talk about those and Judy and I can talk about it anytime. (laughs) Um, but I think that that's such an interesting different side of it where I, Mm -hmm. when I'm talking to people on LinkedIn, I'm like, I want to represent every piece of you somewhere on here. Obviously we can prioritize that obviously with your headline and the beginning of your about page and all those things, but let's utilize every single part of this and make it the most in-depth detailed thing we can, where that is not what you want to do with a resume. (laughs) It'll get really long, a lot of flipping. (laughs) That's very interesting. And I wish we almost titled this, what are the differences between LinkedIn and resume? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I've actually told people on resume, they've asked, I'm curious, how many scrolls, what's the longest LinkedIn you've ever seen? LinkedIn profile, like how many scrolls did you have to go? Endless. (laughs) I mean, I work with a lot of my clients are like C-suite executives or people who've been in for decades. And so... Um, it, it really genuinely, one of the questions that I answer for my clients a lot is, well, I don't want to put my decades of experience cause I don't want to deal with ageism. And I'm like, mm. Oh, that's a whole other set of problems. But yeah, I've seen very long LinkedIn's. Oh, that's so interesting. So when you say 10, you want to see everything on a resume that, you know, that's how it's different with between LinkedIn mm-hmm. is that if you did everything, I think my resume would be like seven, eight pages. It would be really, and no one has time to flip through that. So what I'll just follow up on this. What I usually tell people is I say no more than 10, right? That's kind of the rule of thumb. I go back and forth depending on what kind of experience it is. But I also want to challenge them to say, what is speaking to your future role? Because if it's not speaking to your future role, don't waste someone's time trying to tell them about something that's not relevant. Um, So maybe it's someone who had like 15 years of HR experience and they're now in, I don't know, what's a wild software engineering, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And they've been a software engineer for the past 10 years. I don't want to know about the HR experience. Maybe you can list it as a shorter, maybe one sentence max Mm -hmm. and just put the time frame. Because if you haven't used it in, say, 10 years, it's like a muscle that's kind of atrophied right? Mm-hmm. If you haven't used the competencies or the skills in the past 10 years, you better believe you've lost, it's gotten rusty. So put what is fresh and then you can just make a, a respectful mention of it at the bottom if you need to, if you must. But I usually tell people, don't, don't lose your, the attention span, don't lose space uh, by putting that out. So it's really interesting you mentioned that because I think there could be a whole nother topic on the differences and how we utilize to tell our story on a resume versus a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I've, I'm now curious about another thing that I talk to people about a lot, which is <laughs> how much to show their personality on their LinkedIn's. I think there are very specific spaces on LinkedIn mm-hmm. that I'm like, this is where you show your personality. There are other spaces that I'm like, this is not for that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but on a resume, how much of that, like, 
a fun fact about who I am or like a joke mm. that's funny. Like <laughs> I, here's some emojis. Cause that's who I like. Sometimes I'm like, if you're somebody who uses emojis every single day in your work emails, as long as it's professional, go ahead and put a couple of those on your LinkedIn. But I'm not sure how that would go on a resume. Yeah, not so great. Um, you know, <laughs> it's it's great with LinkedIn because you can click and you explore, go down these rabbit holes and yeah. like look at photos and watch videos, you know, what, depending on what they have on their profile. But a resume usually is just a sheet of paper or mm -hmm. it's a, a PDF. And I don't know a lot of recruiters who are going to sit there unless you have like a, uh, you know, like a, what is it, a portfolio that follows through that you can click through and specific industries and positions require that and want that. But a general resume is probably just going to be words on a sheet of paper. And so the emojis are probably not going to be uh, necessary. Um, it might even distract. I would say bullet points are probably the most, I'd say hyphen yeah. or bullet points are the most image graphic icons that you want to use um, okay. or aligned. But it's only that's only there to help guide the reader where to go with their eyes quickly, especially when you're looking at 10 seconds. Like if I really like what they put, I'll spend about a minute on it. And that's because I like wow. it and I want to hold on to it. Other than that, I can skim through and be like, do, are there keywords? Are the numbers that I like? What does this person have? And what kind of titles and positions? You can usually move on to the next candidate by then. So it's not going to entertain me at all. It'll probably distract me if anything. That's so interesting. That 10 second, is that about how long you think people are spending on a resume once it gets in front of, cause nowadays we're also getting through computers, right? So once mm -hmm. it gets in front of a person or recruiter, is that about how long on average you'd look at a resume? Yeah, I think every reader is going to be different, yeah. um, but I've used about 10 seconds and I can just pick it up. So I'm talking about like an early career, yeah. like boom, 10 seconds. No, I'm not, I have nothing to vouch for this person to move forward to the mm hiring -hmm. manager versus yeah, there's something here. And I will spend about maybe a minute trying to figure out what it is that I'm going to say, this is why I think this is a good fit to the hiring manager, move them forward. So it really depends on how complex the resume is. But I would say at the very bare minimum, 10 seconds, sometimes you can get by. Wow. That's so interesting. Is it um, crazy? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, it's absolutely crazy, especially since like, I don't know. I, cause I do a lot of email marketing and you've got eight seconds on an email. Um, so the idea that it's that same thing, mm -hmm. um, and just reminding yourself of that, because I think when it comes to such a, like our career stories are so personal to us and like your resume is trying to represent all of these things and all the reasons you're right for this job. And it can feel like you're killing your darlings, right? Like you're, you're getting rid of the thing that you think makes you special when the reality is you're, bringing to light the things that are going to get you to that next round. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. Any other challenges, again, before I forget, um, that you see people dealing with a lot? Uh, you know, for, for your listeners and audience just watching, I would just want to say the laziness challenge mm. is huge. Like, either people, when I tell them that to tailor your resume, they either scoff and they kind of look at me like I just wasted my time. I didn't, you know, this is not what I wanted you to tell me. Um, or they're like, okay, I really want to believe that this is this is going to be beneficial for me and worth my time. And I really think people have a hard time understanding the value of tailoring your resume to a job description. Um, mm -hmm. You could talk about the dating app analogy again, but 
you know, honestly, there is just so little time, mm-hmm. uh, so much time a recruiter has to try to figure out and sift through your entire history of your career to say, are you uh, competitive? Are you a good fit? What do you bring to the table in the short amount of time versus like when someone tailors it and says, I saw what you put out there the other day, you wanted skills X, Y, and Z. And so mm-hmm. here is how I've utilize successfully skills X, Y, and Z on my resume. Mm -hmm. When they don't do that, let's say they still ask for X, Y, and Z. And I, Judy Park, say, I don't care what you're asking for. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. One size fits all. And my skills are A, B, and C. There is just no, it's just not speaking to each other. And so it's so important to take the time to create that dotted line, to Mm -hmm. read through the qualifications what are their preferred? What's their, hey, this is be brownie points if you have this, but yeah. what are the core qualifications? Um, and that that's an investment you're, you're putting into yourself when you submit that resume and application. How much time do you see something like that taking for those specific roles? Gosh, uh, how how outdated is the resume? I guess is the first question I'll ask them. <laughs> so let's say let's say we're taking my resume, which I happened I I do this thing every year where every year in January, no matter what, I go through my whole resume. So I mm. always have one that's updated because I get asked for it frequently for random reasons. Um, so let's say I have one that's it's been updated in the last month. Um, but I have a job just, I have, I'm, I'm looking for particular jobs and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be applying to like, let's say minimum 10 a week, right? How much time for each of those am I spending updating my resume? So I'll say this. I've had clients who catch on to this idea. The light bulb goes off, ding, and they come back to me the next day with a brand new drafted resume. Mm. They probably put in a couple of hours. I want to say three to five hours, just just digging up, tilling the soil, getting in fresh new content and organizing it to a job description or just updating it properly. Now, there are some who are switching industries and that's mm-hmm. tough. That's going to be really tough because now you got to get your cover letter ready, which is a whole nother topic if, if necessary. And then it's it's the resume and writing it. So I could say I've seen some people take about a week because not everyone has the same strengths. Not everyone has the same brain bandwidth to do this within a few hours or the motivation sometimes. If you're not strong in writing or crafting or wordsmithing is what I like to use, mm-hmm. yes, this is going to be like pulling teeth. People, give yourself like a week to do this and take breaks. Now, if you're like really good at this and you're like, I know how to pick out the right action verbs. And this is like art to me. I love it. I'm creating art give yourself a few hours, you know, and I've seen both sides of the clients and some longer months. And I'm like, Hey, just following up. How's it coming along? Oh, this is pulling teeth, Judy. I can't do it. And so some people prefer to get the resume writer and just have them do it for them because it's Mm. easier. Um, But if I could just put a shameless plug in there, I just feel like everyone needs to learn how to write and update the resume. You can't get by. I mean, sure you can get by in life. It'd be expensive to do that. But at the end, you're not going to be able to self-serve yourself. And in, in should let's say something does happen and you have to do it on your own, you have the skills to do it. So, 
Yeah. And I think we've talked a lot about those early career people and people who are maybe in that beginning stages of things. Mm -hmm. But when you start to have a longer career story, maybe it's mid to like super senior levels. Even I know I work with some people who are VPs in C-suite and you're telling a really different story. You have a different career story. Um, What do you find is like some adjustments to your advice there? For example, like length, there's the holy one page choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that evolves as you get into further stages in your careers. What are some of the ways that that, that grows and changes? Yeah, I would say as you move um, up the ladder, or you just gain much more experience in tenure, mm-hmm. two pages, okay. I've never met anyone and never met anyone who goes through all two pages unless they're just gobbling it up. And there's like, this is great. I, this is really exciting. They're hitting all the uh, the nails on the head of everything that we're looking for. Um, but I will say this in that same thread, I would say be strategic. I'm always about the placement mm-hmm. and with the resume, I always ask people, how do, how do people read, uh, mm-hmm. here in this country, right? Top to bottom, left to right. And I tell them you want to put some of the best things when the reader is right starting and they're very engaged in trying to figure things out and you just want to kind of bait them with good stuff. This is who I am. 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 And if you do want to add, I don't know, some of your certifications or education, um, you could put that at the bottom, right? Where you don't want to leave the good stuff at the very end where there's no guarantee they're going to make it all the way down there. So sometimes I just say second page is at the farthest. Anything beyond that, you might show yourself some ageism there, right? You might doubt yourself, date yourself, or you're going to lose some really great opportunity to display the best work by leaving at the very bottom of a third page or a second page. So be strategic in how you place it is also important. And I think it comes back to the thing that you've mentioned a few times here, which is what is the point of this, right? Like if you're doing this, like if you're sending that to some fancy recruiting agency that is going, mm-hmm. that has reached out to you and they need that context and they want to know every single piece of your whole story because they're going to go out and find you that that may be a situation exactly. where they're going to spend more time on it. But unless that's the situation, you're trying that you're not trying to tell them the whole story. So they hire, nobody's hiring you off your resume alone. Mm-hmm. It's about how do you get to that next step and how do you tell that next piece of the story, which I think you did such a great job of explaining kind of how to prioritize those things. Um, So what are the like first few tips? Like, let's say somebody just wants, they're listening to this. Mm -hmm. Um, They very rudely don't have the opportunity to talk to us, which all of you, P.S., all of you do. (laughs) You can talk to me or Judy or both of us together. Great news. Um, Speak for the end. But um, the, if, if somebody is like, they're just getting started on this. They're maybe maybe they're not at a point yet where they're looking for a coach, but they wanna um, they want those recommendations either to update their existing mm-hmm. resume or maybe get started telling that story. What are those tips you have for them? Uh, do their homework, and I think this is where people are gonna be like, no, I just want to <laughs> do it. I just want to go in and just drop my. You know, we're in a society where uh, fast, right? Yeah. Microwave generation. We want instant, instant, instant. And, but if you do your homework, you're able to lay out a better foundation of your resume. So let's just say if you're early career and you're trying to go for a software engineer position, I am not really good with software engineering, period, because the, the sheer number of technical skills is just like MongoDB. Like, I don't even know what these programs are. Like, what do you need to know? Software. Wow. And so I usually tell students like, hey, 
figure out three positions or two. What is your key end goal? Again, we're talking about what is that future position you're looking for? And then I would love it if you can just research, you can, it, Google will tell you all that you need and start making a list of some patterns. What are the top five competencies that they need? Mm-hmm. Is it cross-functional collaboration? Is it multitasking? Is it being able to work under pressure? Is it being able to analyze data? Find out those top five lists and or find out those top five programs or software technical skills that they need. And then start from there and you have your base block of what you want to start adding in, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to start tailoring to every single job description, especially if you have some time. But I think that really helps because then you can say, okay, one of the tips I always tell people is turn the bullet points on the job description into a question for yourself. Mm-hmm. So this might be hard, but let's just say the job description says, um, must have had five plus years of experience in X, Y, and Z. And then I would say, okay, Judy, do you have five plus years of experience doing X, Y, and Z? If the answer is yes, I need to display that on my resume somewhere under the appropriate Mm -hmm. experience. That's how I'm creating that dotted line. It is, it's like matching. It's like paying a puzzle piece of just matching the top and the bottom. That's all you need to do. And some people just don't realize how easy it is. They think you have to make up all this fluff. And I'm like, no, the answers are there on the job description. Bring it back to your resume. And so whatever list you create, whether it's top five competencies or top five technical skills, you ask yourself, where have I utilized these competencies successfully? And do I have the right data to tell the right story that I'm good at this? Or where have I used these technical skills? And where do I need to put it? Is this a very technical position? Put it on type so the recruiter knows, okay, this person has some of the software skills that I need. Then talk about the work experience. Mm-hmm. And we can go into different uh, just different uh, layouts and options, mm-hmm. but understand what they're looking for. And then you can ask yourself, am I the right person to apply for this position? Do I have a a good shot at being considered? Um, I think that's really helpful versus just blindly throwing out resumes and applications left and right. Something that I know from, so this is one of those old things that I read on the internet a really long time ago. And I say this a lot, but I haven't actually checked my statistics on this. Okay. So if anybody (laughs) listening to this, like this is not a new fact until you Google it to double check me. Um, But... Um, the, the gist of it was that when women read job descriptions, um, we read the requirements and think that we need a hundred percent of those requirements where men think it's more like 60% of the requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious if you have come across that and have any tips on people when reading those job descriptions, when putting together their resume, how to balance that you want to, you want to obviously be qualified for a position, but is there ways to tell a story where you maybe don't have the official requirements, but you can do the job? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I remember this because when I was in uh, DE&I for talent acquisition, we we had to work with a lot of this. And I'll say it, it's not a made up fact. There's mm-hmm. a lot of um, women clients, female clients that I've worked with that are absolutely not willing to put their name out there, put their name in the hat because they don't meet the requirements. And I'm like, you have wonderful work experience. Why not? Why would you not? And it's because of that mindset. Um, and so, you know, I, I think there is an opportunity for us to, one, make sure we read the job description because I appreciate it when I go out there and I just look how people are posting and they put this nice paragraph. Hey, even if you don't feel like you're 100% qualified, still drop your name in the hat. I'm like, yes, that's a message 
everybody needs to hear every single day who's out in the market looking for jobs mm-hmm. to apply for. Um, and I appreciate that. Or they have a talent community where it's like, learn more, join our talent community online, and we'll send out updates for positions and you'll be the first to know. That's another way to stay in the loop if you don't have time to check every single career website out there. Um, but I would say, normally I tell people, if you don't have, let's say there's 10 qualifications that are required. If they don't hit five, mm-hmm. but they still feel like they can do the role, right? And this yeah. is case by case, right? If they still feel like they can do the role because they can learn the skills, then I would say your opportunity is to then figure out how can you help the reader understand that you are a fast learner, self-starter, you're willing to learn, and how can your work experience show up in that way? Um, that you are able to flex, you're resilient, you adapt to change, you thrive in change. Mm-hmm. Maybe those are some uh, skills and competencies that you can list out and even talk about it. Hey, I was able to you know, stand up an entire organization in six months because, without having any training whatsoever or learning on the go. You know, Maybe that's something that'll help offset that. But usually I tell people if they have like 10 requirements and they only mm-hmm. meet two, Maybe you need to consider because yeah. there's a reason why there's requirements there. And you'd be surprised. There are some people who ignore that and they just still apply. And those are the ones I'm like, clearly you didn't read the job description. <laughs> you didn't do the homework mm-hmm. and good luck to you. I'm not pushing you on. And so, yeah, I think it, it, it's uh, it's how do you then tell the story? If you're not all 10, what are you going to say on the paper to say, but I can learn. Yeah. This is a skill, right? Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's really fantastic. And I think there's a lot of different ways to think through that as well. Like, for example, I think the 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 things that you've talked about here a lot are those people in transitions. Maybe they're going from a manager role and they're trying to get director roles or director to VP and all that stuff. Like whether it's beginning of your career and you're trying to demonstrate that you have the skills to be able to do these jobs. But that's, that's, I think, a good context and a way to approach all of those scenarios where it's like, what's the story you're telling? Why do you think you could be a director even though you've never done that before? Why mm-hmm. do you think you could manage a team even though you don't have that experience? Why do you think you could do X, Y, and Z thing? Um, and the And you have an answer for that. Or if you don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> then maybe go reconsider. Is there anything else you want to cover before we go into some of the other cool things we have to share with the audience? I, you know, I would say there's no such thing as a modest resume. That's probably mm. the biggest oxymoron that I can think of. If you're that. trying to be modest on your resume, you are not, you're not suited up to play the game. Uh, and yeah. and that's a, it sounds pretty cutthroat, uh, but it's so true. You can't. And so the second struggle, I should have probably put this in as one of the challenges is people don't know how to talk about themselves and they yeah. don't feel comfortable. And I'm like, sometimes it's not, they're like, it's not part of my character and I get it, right? Humility is a great virtue to have, but sometimes you have to put this on a piece of paper to get your foot in the door. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to do that just to get your foot in. You're not being like, you know, um, you're not lying. You're not being shady. You're doing it with full integrity, but you're, you're aligning yourself to what they're trying to look for. And so, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. This is another great analogy. Let's say Lillian, you, me, and, Mr. Hodgepodge here is we're free. Um, we've been giving a piece of land. Just yeah. come along with me here. It's a farmer's market yeah, story yeah. here. Yeah. We each get a plot of land and we're asked to obviously make a harvest, grow certain fruits and vegetables, and then sell it at the farmer's market. Now, you, us three, we all have stations next to each other. 
we're all given the same space, the same type of canopy, tables, and everything, baskets. And let's say you picked, you worked hard, you picked all your fruit and vegetables, and you're ready to display it onto the table. Curious, Lillian, how would you display that? What would, what would be some of the ways that you display your fruits and vegetables, your earnings of your hard work? Um, I would make sure that they, like, my best stuff was most visible. Um, and my, like, maybe my bruised boys were underneath some of the other stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. You would try to do everything it takes to show the best side, whether it's a switch. Mm -hmm. It's the same fruit and vegetable, but like the bruised side, mm -hmm. the scratch side, turn it around. You would want to display the best looking and keep some of the, some of the harder ones back. And it sounds crazy, but that's how I like look at work yeah. experience and presenting on a resume. You get the same opportunity of working hard in your workspace or on a project. And you're not going to put out the bruised stuff and be like, yeah, I did this and I messed up on this. I mean, there's a time and place for that. But on a resume, when you got a first shot and you have people, buyers walking past, they're going to look for the best looking. It's just in yeah. their nature. And so I kind of use that story as put the best story out there. Don't yeah. waste your space trying to present something that's less than, but make sure you have the best story to, to put on your resume. Yeah. Thanks for following along. That was your, like, no, I loved like, it. Yeah, we no, don't I talk was about totally this with you. I'm so on board. Um, I love I anybody who knows me in life knows that I love a super complex metaphor. I go so <laughs> deep into a complicated metaphor. So oh. that's great. Well, um, we're going to talk about a pretty exciting thing that we're partnering on a pretty exciting project that we're partnering on. But before we get into that, um, if people want to work with you, if they're listening to this, and they're like, I'm at a change in my career, or I'm considering moving forward in my career, and I need some help, I need a coach for my resume. What are some mm -hmm. of the ways that people can work with you? And how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so wow, I would say LinkedIn, Shameless plug Great. back to LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach me at. Um, you can search me for Judy Park and you will see my face and my title there. Um, another way is resume refinery MN for Minnesota, all one word at gmail.com. That's probably the second best way. Um, but yeah, I'd love to just hear stories and just learn what more about you and help people. Um, if you're in the early career space or in the military transitioning in about a year or so, you know, let me know. Let me know how I can help you and support you in that in that transition. Yeah. And if you're somebody who's in a space in your career where you're looking to do both LinkedIn and resume stuff, Judy and I are partnering together with some clients with something that we're doing pretty new. So mm -hmm. um, reach out to either of us if you are looking to do kind of both of those things and want to be able to tell that story in the, these two, as we pointed out, pretty different spaces, um, but still sort of accomplishing that same goal and telling a coherent story across these two really different spaces. Um, you can reach out to either of us. And if you are a college student, we have a very exciting thing that we're partnering on. This May, we, are, we have 20 spots that we're opening up um, for a no-cost one-hour coaching call with both of us. Um, so during that time, we'll obviously go over how to update your LinkedIn and how to tell that story there. And then we'll go over some of the stuff that Judy has on resume and how to do all of that with your professional story. Absolutely. I'm so excited. I am yeah. so excited. It's been a exactly. while, but I want to meet some, some early career, early career professionals very, very soon. Yeah. So if you're, whether that's, you're a um, college student who has, is graduating this year 
or you're graduating next year, we're currently limiting it to it just uh, class of 2023 and 2024, um, just because we want to really focus on that group right now. But we obviously, um, if we get a lot of interest, we'll expand it beyond that. But if you know a college student, um, or if you are a college student and you want to participate in this, we are going to be opening up a pretty simple application form that you can fill out on my website. So there'll be links to that in the description. There'll also be links to how to get in contact with Judy in the description. Um, and we're going to be starting that as this episode comes out, those applications are open. So you can submit those applications and um, it sort of depends on how much interest we get and all of those things <laughs> as to the way that we're, because it would be, what a great problem to solve if we ended up with a ton of people. There's a lot of different ways we can go forward with that. But yeah. um, I would say sooner rather than later on getting those applications in because um, we are really, we're getting really excited about this and we want to talk to you guys and, and get that sorted out. And we're mm-hmm. mid-April now, so we only got a few weeks before we start doing this. but um with that thank you so much judy for coming on and sharing your expertise with um, myself and my guests i really appreciate you taking the time today this was fun it's been a while i i've been on sabbatical for a little bit but this has been really great so thanks lillian for having me and i can't wait to see our 20 20 clients show up and that how we can help them. So first come first serve, I believe. I think we're, yeah, that's essentially the goal, but we're going to have those applications open on the website and you can apply to those. Um, If we do end up with some massive flooding of people all at once, um, I guess, pay attention to future communications. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sounds perfect. (laughs) But again, if you're somebody who's in a position where you are not a college student um, and you're maybe in a phase in your career where you do want to be doing something more seriously to make LinkedIn work for you, um, and you also are in a job search space or just in a space where you need a really solid resume that's telling Mm -hmm. that story, um, reach out and we can we can work together and make that a really cohesive, smooth process for you. Um, But yeah, again, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, You can subscribe to this podcast on all sorts of different channels. Usually we have episodes every other week that are around less than 10 minutes on different topics. Uh, We have one on content. Uh, There's one on how to improve your LinkedIn in five minutes. Um, There's a lot of different sort of, episodes that I'm covering there and bonus episodes like this with Judy are going to be coming more frequently. So um, keep an eye on all those feeds for that. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And um, I guess we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Yes. (laughs) 